Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross, managing editor of Fightful.com, FightfulMMA.com. You all know where to go. MMA, pro wrestling, boxing. We have a robust boxing section. Carlos Toro has you uh, covered with that Fightful Boxing newsletter every couple weeks. On the MMA side of things, we have James Lynch bringing you the exclusives. We're joined by James Lynch today. James, how are you? I'm awesome, Sean. Uh, good, to, good to be back on here on a Tuesday. We've got a lot to talk about. Oh, we do. Uh, also joined by Showdown Joe. He is certified as an MMA ref and judge. Has been around the MMA world for oh, what seems like a century, Joe. <laughs> thank you for dating me and making me feel older than I actually am. But okay, thank you. We got plenty to talk about. Let's go ahead and do it. For months, we assumed, mainly because it's been talked about, Daniel Cormier is going to fight Brock Lesnar early next year. It's what we assumed. He's retiring in March. He has remained pretty steadfast on that, although Dana White doesn't seem nearly as convinced as Daniel Cormier does that, that he'll retire. However, it was revealed last week that after the terrible reception to the idea of Sajara Eubanks against Valentina Shevchenko headlining UFC 230, instead we're getting Derek Lewis and Daniel Cormier. Joe, I, I have some mixed feelings about this because... Daniel Cormier has said time and time again, I'm hurt. I can't fight at UFC 230. Derek Lewis says, hell no, I'm not ready to fight for no title. My cardio is terrible, but we're getting the fight. That being said, I like this fight way more than Sajar Eubank and uh, Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, it's an understatement to say we like this fight more than that fight that originally was announced because just for a variety of reasons, but on the flip side, when you take a look at what DC has said and what Derek Lewis has said, you almost feel like, oh, God, this shouldn't, really shouldn't be happening. But, you know, I get it. I understand it. Uh, you can always look at conspiracy theories, Sean and James, that both these guys knew this fight was going to happen if, if Derek Lewis got, you know, emerged victorious and they were playing it off as if it's not going to happen, just messing with the media. But I don't think that's the case with either guy. I mean, it could be wrong, but it, it's, it's a much better fight in terms of, you know, these two guys at... 70% or 50% of what they should be is still a much better fight uh, than the fight that we were proposed before. Um, taking nothing away from, from Eubanks and, and from Sachenko, it's, it's not the fight that should have happened in that, in that division anyway. So, um, yeah, we're tuning in. We're going to enjoy it. We're going to have some fun. And plus, it's Derek Lewis in D.C. Both those guys know what to do on the mic. So, it should be fun. James, I'm very interested to see how you feel about this fight, considering all those variables that I mentioned before including Shevchenko and Eubanks. I, I disagree with Joe here. I don't think they knew that uh, this was something that could have been in the works. I think they got lightning in a bottle with Lewis getting that last second win over Volkov. They're like, we got to capitalize on this. Um, let's see how, how injured DC really is. And they threw him some dollar signs and here we are. And I think for Cormier, I mean, I see some people saying, 
you know, it's not fair to Stipe. And, and I completely get that as a, as a, you know, as a dominant heavyweight champion as Stipe was, I understand people being upset by that. But the reality of the matter is this is a winnable fight for Daniel Cormier. This is a fight that if he gets past Eric Lewis, he will still have that Brock Lesnar fight on the table. To me, this is a low risk fight for him. Now I know people are going to get mad at me saying that because Lewis has the knockout power. You know, we've seen him surprise a lot of times his only loss in his you know last little bit has been Mark Hunt. But he's a guy that, you know, I, I think for the most part, his cardio isn't very good. He doesn't do well against wrestlers. I think this is a winnable fight for DC. And the odds makers agree. I believe DC opened around minus 800. Now he's at minus 650, some money coming in on Derek Lewis. But I think this is just one of those cases where the UFC saw an opportunity. I mean, look, if Volkov won that fight, we're not doing Volkov in DC. There's no way they would have done that. I don't think anyways. Lewis... He couldn't have been more popular after UFC 229, both in his performance and the post-fight stuff after. I mean, his followers just, you know, increased exponentially. This was the fight to make. And again, you know, I hate to, you know, crap on that fight with Shevchenko and Eubanks. But, I mean, the last two New York headliners, Bisping, GSP, McGregor, Alvarez, you can't follow that with Valentina and uh, and, and Sajara Eubanks. This fight, uh, Daniel Cormier and Lewis has some name value. That's why they're doing it. So, so let's talk about this uh, Derek Lewis situation and his explosion in popularity. I had a house full of WWE wrestlers that were talking to me. Pardon my mic uh, almost being knocked over there. <laughs> talking to me throughout the UFC show. And Derek Lewis was the star of the night until what happened at the end of the show. Uh, they were very happy actually to find out that he would be competing for the title in New York as well. And worth noting, Derek Lewis's Octagon interview on uh, U- UFC's YouTube, 2.9 million views right now. That is more than any episode of UFC 229 Embedded, which heavily feature Habib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor. It's more than virtually any video in the lead-up to that fight uh, with Habib and Conor McGregor, except for the pre-fight presser and, and stuff like that. Tony Ferguson and Anthony Pettis, for comparison, 748,000. And... I think that's that says a lot. And Derek Lewis, it I think you you nailed it on the head, James. Lightning in a bottle with him. He will never be more popular than he is right now. And quite frankly, anybody you put him against in the top five stands a very good chance of beating him. You put him in there with Curtis Blades tomorrow, Curtis Blades is, is probably going to mop the floor with him, I think. Uh, there, there are so many people that can execute what Alexander Volkov didn't because quite frankly I think he has he's the one to blame in that situation he didn't he didn't put away Derek Lewis I think Stipe beats him uh maybe not in Ganu you, you you never know but I think if they run that back there's a good chance Volkov wins that fight I think there's a good chance that Alistair Overeem beats Derek Lewis uh you you never know it's a coin flip and right now they had that fight and they jumped on it so that being said, we, we've got Derek Lewis. We've got Daniel Cormier headlining New York. Out is Dustin Poirier, Nate Diaz. Now, Joe, before James had joined us on this podcast, I said for weeks, I won't believe that Nate Diaz is going to fight until he gets there. Dustin Poirier reveals that Nate Diaz was offered a main event 155-pound fight with Dustin Poirier for that show and rejected it. He pulled out of the fight. He's he's not going to compete at all. When do you think we see Nate Diaz again? Because I wasn't convinced we would see him here anyway. And I respectfully disagreed. I remember that conversation or the conversations regarding that. I thought this was it because going back uh, to the money he made for that Conor McGregor rematch, uh, you and I went in depth about, you know, where is his career going to go? Because now that he has all this money, it's the most money he's ever made. Um, you know, and I kept saying, eventually it's going to run out. If he doesn't manage it properly, eventually it's going to run out. He is going to have to fight. And when a fighter realizes that they need that paycheck, it's never good. Um, I thought Nate Diaz was going to fight. I thought Nate Diaz was, this is the fight here. This is a great fight. Um, You know, Poirier would have been a great scrap for him. But in general, just nothing with the Diaz brothers is ever going to surprise me anymore. And it shouldn't surprise anybody that's been around this game long enough. You just never know. And going back to Sean's point, until they're there, until they step on the scale, forget the press conferences. They'll decide whether or not they're going to show up or not. But until they step on that scale, when they step on that scale, you know the fight's real. So uh, it is what it is. It sucks, guys. Come on. Let's be honest. It absolutely sucks that this fight's not going to be taking place, but such is life. James, what are your feelings on this? I mean, Nate Diaz, obviously a very tough person to deal with. And unfortunately, Dustin Poirier got injured. 
It's unfortunate. This is a fight we all wanted to see. Injuries happen, unfortunately. And and you're dealing with Nate Diaz, who really is selective about the fights he's going to take. That's why he's been out for so long. I said this before, or I said this last week on the show. This guy's got God God status in terms of uh, you know getting to pick fights because he has that win over McGregor. So you're not going to get a last-minute replacement. I know people saying, oh, let's get Tony Ferguson. Oh, let's get all these other fighters. He's not going to fight those guys because they're not big-money guys unless George St. Pierre somehow can shrink down to 155 uh, by the time you know the 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 card rolled around that's probably the only fight he would have taken and george isn't even interested in that fight and, and he's not ready obviously he talked about that uh you know recently but um yeah th- this is what's going to happen this was the, the ufc got lucky with this matchup and that diaz decided to fight poirier now that he's out there was no chance there's going to be a replacement i'm just you know i feel bad for the fans because a lot of people i'm sure were, were bought tickets just to see nate diaz and now this fight's not taking place what's next for him i have no idea george st pierre like i said uh, he spoke on ariel hawani show yesterday he's not interested in that fight he believes that nick diaz is a better fighter than him believe it or not that's what he said so uh who knows what's next for nate it might be a while before we see him uh, unless they decide to do that conor mcgregor trilogy but i have no idea at this point just disappointing for the fans so, I mean, Dustin Poirier, I don't see as a big money guy either. But like you said, they got lucky that they, they were able to book that fight. Because quite frankly, I had Dustin Poirier winning that fight and had him winning it fairly easily, all things considered. With Conor McGregor losing, that does set up a natural fight with Nate Diaz. And that's the type of fight you don't need a title on the line. You don't need anything. You need two fighters in a cage. That being said, 10 years from now, at 38 years old, each one of them, that fight's still on the table. People are still going to watch that. People are going to tune in and watch Tito fight Chuck next month. So this this will happen at some point. Um, this does give a hit to the depth of UFC 230. They did book Sajara Eubank versus uh, Roxanne Modafferi, which I think is a good fight to add to that show, all things considered. But you have Cormier Lewis at the top. You have Rockhold Weidman. Souza and Branch, I think UFC puts a lot more stock into Branch than the viewers do, but he's on the show. Brunson and Adesanya, that's a good fight. And then you have, like, you you have a big question mark. Like, what's the fifth fight that you think they're going to add or that that will be on this pay-per-view show, James? Because it's pretty clear the three middleweight fights and the heavyweight fights are the highest profile fights on that show. They're going to do what they did last time. They'll have someone uh, take a matchup at the last minute. It won't be anything notable. Uh, on UFC 229, we had Vicente Luque taking on Jalen Turner, which, as I've said many times, a terrible matchup. Yeah, there, we're correct. probably going to get something along these lines. Uh, if I had to take a guess, it's going to be an Ali client getting on uh, this card because Ali has ties to New York. There's already a couple Ali clients, I think, on this ties card. Ties to a lot of things. Yeah, so uh, so so that's why. I mean, you've got Sajara Eubanks on this card. Actually, did did that did that Sajara fight end up replacing? I guess that extra fight because she's fighting uh, Roxanne Matafari. I don't yeah. know if that rounds it out. So uh, so they, they could add something, but it'll be something last minute and probably nothing notable. If I had to take a guess, well, there there are twelve fights on the card, guys. Right. Yeah. So I think I mean, in terms of what that first fight's going to be on the pay per view, James, do you put Jason Knight? as your first fight on the pay-per-view because the guy's going to electrify everyone or do you make him your main event on on Fox to get people to go to the pay-per-view yeah that's, that's a tough call um I, I think at this point because the Fox deal is probably well it is expiring they're going to go with ESPN uh, maybe you do throw the Knight and Rinaldi fight on there I think that could be fight of the night um you could also put on the Burgos and Holaba fight I think uh you know Joe you know well enough being from Titan uh, Kurt always brings a, a fight and, and Burgos uh, looking to get back in the win column there, there's a lot of good matchups here even you could even do Carl Robertson and Jack Marshman I think that's going to be an explosive matchup too but that's uh, got to be on something that yeah. right there has got to be on if they put that on uh, fight pass, I'll, I'll be blown away, man. I'll be blown away. Usually they go with like a prospect sometimes. So, I mean, Robertson might be the guy who gets the call just because I know they, they've done that in the past where they'll give, uh, you know, sort of an up and comer, you know, a little bit of shine on a, on a pay-per-view slot there. So that could be the case, but we'll see. I'll do respect to Jason Knight, but it is a very UFC thing to do to be like, hey, you've lost three fights in a row. Let's get you on this pay-per-view card that just... And, and as I mentioned before, if you lose three fights in a row and the UFC holds on to you, they like you. Yeah. And they're, they're trying to hold on to you. So uh, I'm sure they want Jason Knight to get a win. Conor McGregor has not went into hiding. That, that, that would be an understatement since his Habib Nurmagomedov loss. He was at the Cowboys game the other day and said, <laughs> reportedly said to Jerry Jones, you know what would look good? An octagon with me in it at Cowboys Stadium, which is not Cowboys Stadium, but that's what we're going to call it for the sake of this this discussion. 
Well, I think that could definitely happen, and I think they could definitely sell that out with the right card and the, the right personalities. James, what do you think? They could. There's only one fight, though, you can do. I think that would actually sell out Cowboy Stadium, and that's McGregor and St. Pierre. I think that's the fight you do. Uh, as far as name value goes, there's no one bigger in the sport right now than those two. That includes Habib Nurmagomedov. That's the fight you would have to make if you're going to do that. If you're going to do Connor against Gaethje, you're going to do Connor against Ferguson, you're going to do Connor against pretty much anyone else on the roster. I don't think it sells out like that. I know we had good numbers at UFC 229, but Connor stocks down a little bit now that he lost, so I don't know if it holds as much weight. And with St. Pierre, He's always, you know, a moneymaker as far as that goes. I think that's the only fight you could do if, if they were to do a fight card there and, and expect good results. Just Joe? go back. Yeah, just go back to all the Holy Smokes podcasts when this was first brought up way back when uh, we maintained. Uh, and again, this is my conversation with, you know, people close to George. Uh, they would definitely do Conor McGregor versus George St. Pierre, and they would like to do it in Cowboy Stadium uh, for the, again, for just using the, that term there. At the same time, um, they also tried to pitch that for uh, Montreal uh, and not the Bell Centre, uh, obviously Olympic Stadium. And you're not going to have an event in Olympic Stadium like that, James. You, you and I already know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in, to follow up what you said, um, Connor versus GSP could sell out Cowboy Stadium. But this, I, I'm blown away by the intrigue of this rematch with mm-hmm. Nurmagomedov. Uh, a lot of people, I had a business meeting before I came on the air here uh, it was all you know, mortgage-related, business-related, but the conversation, because of who I am, kept talking about, is there going to be a rematch? Is there going to be a rematch? My friend said this. My brother said that, blah, blah. There's a lot of mainstream, uh, um, I guess, tunnel vision on this, main, on this uh, rematch here. So that could sell out Cowboy Stadium for sure. I'm inclined to agree. Uh, that is a big fight, another fight you don't have to have a title in. You can just do it. Now, granted, they could just invent the 165-pound title just to do it because that, that is a thing that, that could happen. But uh, also in the news, I, I post my UFC rankings breakdowns on FightfulSelect.com every week after every UFC show. And some of my subscribers asked why I didn't do that this week. Well, it's because there were rumblings that Eddie Alvarez would be leaving the company. Eddie Alvarez was the, I think, number four ranked lightweight in the world as it turns out joe he's signing with one championship which he still calls one fc because everybody still calls it one fc this to me doesn't really mean anything it's good for eddie alvarez but it is the latest one signing that gets me to pretend to give a shit about them twice a year (laughs) but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna who's he gonna Uh, maybe aoki he'll fight him that could be fun but I will tune in to watch Eddie compete. Don't get me wrong, but I, I 100% see what you're saying. I see the angle. I see the whole thought process behind that. I mean, when I got the press release uh, that he had signed with one, I was like, oh, wow. Okay, well, that payday must be absolutely huge. So good for you, Eddie. You're at the, uh, you know, can he still compete in the upper echelon of 155 at the UFC? I think so, but that payday is big. That payday is huge over there, so take it while you can. Yeah, I, yeah. Sorry, I, I'm I, I'm I'm not as much of a Debbie Downer as Sean is here. I I think this is a great signing for for one because uh, you know for uh, you know people like myself, I'm a huge Eddie Alvarez fan. I've watched his career you know long before he was even in Bellator. Um, I will want to tune in now and and just to see him fight. He's entertaining. As far as him you know re-signing with the UFC, I saw someone say uh, you know Ariel kind of roasted uh, someone yesterday on Twitter. They're like, oh, congratulations for giving up. Alvarez won a UFC title. He won a Bellator yeah. title. He, he needs nothing to accomplish in this sport. He's accomplished more than most ever will in their career, winning two titles in two of the biggest organizations. He has a big fan base in Japan when he fought in Dream. This is the right move. He gets paid better. I think it brings more notoriety to one because really with Askren retiring, they don't really have any North American fighters. And I'll say this, and I've said this for years, I think one championship does a terrible job marketing to their North American fans. I think they're kind of left in the dust. They focus too much on Asia. So having Alvarez over there will bring the fans over. I know I'll be watching anytime Alvarez fights. I, I never miss one of his fights. I think this is a good move for all parties involved. And again, Alvarez can get paid. Take some easier fights, let's be honest here, and and you know get some more highlight reels. But for him to stay in the UFC, it was pointless uh, because of how deep that division is. Yeah, he might have won a couple fights. He might have been able to beat a Kevin Lee or, or beat a, um, a you know whoever. I, I don't know. But uh, to me, it just wasn't worth it. To me, this is a clear path to getting paid well, taking less damage, and retiring and, and riding off into the sunset. 
Well, I think for him, it's a great idea. He's making a ton of money. For one, it's a great idea because they got to give somebody the money they're not giving to Ben Askren anymore. <laughs> but from a from a general interest perspective, I'm going to watch him fight because he's Eddie Alvarez. I'll watch nothing else on those shows unless they have somebody who emerges. But like, what he's he's going to fight Martin Wynn, the bantamweight who is their lightweight champion, but lost his bantamweight title. Okay, he's he's gonna smoke Martin Wynn. Like, and it's not even gonna be close. And who knows if even if he'll even fight at 155, especially considering with some of the, the rules that that one likes to implement. But it, it's I mean, they, they could maybe he could if they could talk Ben Askren into fighting him, that would be very, very interesting. If they could talk Ben Askren into fighting Eddie Alvarez, I would be there with bells on the fight to watch that fight. Because uh, that is a legitimate top flight fight. I would watch that on a UFC pay-per-view. If you told me that that was coming up on a UFC pay-per-view headlining it, I'd be like, hell yeah, watching that. But for me, one doesn't have anything else I'm interested in. Anything else I'm interested in. Brandon Vera is their heavyweight champion. (laughs) I think. I'm pretty sure he hasn't fought in forever. Yeah. Yeah. Technically. So uh, good for Eddie Alvarez. I want him to make that money, especially because I, I, I'm i glad that he won the UFC championship because the stuff that he went through to get to the UFC was just unreal. And you you really saw Bjorn Rebney's true colors throughout that situation, and you came to learn what kind of a person that he was. And obviously that I think that helped facilitate his exit, his eventual exit. It showed people that he wasn't as fighter-friendly as, as he claimed to be claim to be but if you look at Eddie Alvarez's resume he beat Justin Gaethje he's beat Anthony Pettis Melendez Dos Anjos Aoki Patricky Pitbull Michael Chandler it's unbelievable Kawajiri he's got such an incredible resume and uh the thing is he's used to fighting overseas so that's very very good for him I mean he he spent he had that great run in 2008 there so uh good for him and good for one I just hope that they they give me more of a reason to watch than just Eddie Alvarez is fighting. It's enough, but I would like more of a reason. How can you fault a guy for signing that kind of a deal, though? Right? Like, come on, people. Like, let's. I mean, I I hate to break it down to this, guys, but ladies and gentlemen watching right now, if all of a sudden James, myself, and Sean get an offer, I'll throw a number out there. Every we're, we're going to buy the Holy Smokes podcast, and we're going to pay you guys five thousand dollars every week to do the podcast. Well, yep, we're going to have a conversation with Jimmy Van and be like, "Jimmy, uh, we're going to talk right now, right? Like, you you, you got to support your family, right? Like, yeah. there's, they, they there's offer five thousand between the three of us. We're taking, <laughs> <laughs> we're taking it. Sorry, Jimmy. Right? You know, <laughs> there's loyalty, but you got to pay for you know. You, you go where the, where, where the value is, right? It's just like, oh, my God, you're going to pay me this? Okay. Oh, well, let's do it, boys. Right? That's what Eddie Alvarez is doing. Got a nice, fat payday. Leave the guy alone. He's got a family to support. This is how he makes his money. When he retires, in my opinion, he should never have to work again. And you do that by getting massive amounts of revenue from your brand. And Eddie Alvarez's brand scored him this deal with one, as well as his management. But, yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to add here quickly, uh, one, one thing we haven't talked about is that this could potentially mean other fighters going to one. Uh, it hasn't been the case in the past, but there might be a lot of lightweights out there that are free agents or guys that, you know, their deals are running out with the UFC or Bellator that might say, hey, one championship, what do you got for me? And one might be willing to, to throw them some cash and get them to fight an Eddie Alvarez because that will bring more North American fans there. So so that is a possibility that could strengthen them. But, uh, you know, that that's that's my optimistic approach. What is really going to happen? Probably not because they didn't really do that for Asker either. As we kind of wrap up uh, this, well, I guess it, it's back to 2.30 a little bit. Sajara Eubanks, very unhappy that she had her title fight taken from her. I understand if I had that title shot appear out of thin air and then disappeared, I would be upset too. However, I don't think the majority are going to <laughs> kind of sympathize or side with her, How, given how she lost her title shot last year how she got her title shot this year, and the fact that fans get Joanna versus Shevchenko back. James, how do you feel uh, about Sajara Eubanks and, and that carousel? 
she has a right to be upset just because she had the opportunity and then they pulled it away. The same reason Yoanny and Jacek initially was allowed to be upset that her fight was pulled with Valentina the first time. Don't want to confuse anyone, but that, that fight is still happening now uh, just to keep uh, track of everything. But uh, as far as her, you know, not getting the shot, I mean, reality is she beat Lauren Murphy by decision. She missed weight, uh, you know, at the Ultimate Fighter finale. She wasn't able to fight for the title. I mean, unfortunately, those aren't things that scream a title shot. At this point, she needs to be a little bit more impressive. The fight with Matafari, I think, is an opportunity for her to potentially get a finish in this fight. I've never been too high on Matafari here. I I think there is a possibility she could make a statement or at least get a dominating victory in this fight. But the Murphy win, to me, doesn't scream, I I deserve a title shot. So I don't feel too bad for her. Um, And and at least she got to stay on this card, which uh, should do pretty good numbers uh, with it being in New York. Joe? I think it absolutely sucks for Sajara. Man, you work your whole career to become a world champion. You work your whole career to get a title shot. And then it's given to you. Your life changes. You know your life can... Becoming a champion and knowing how to run with that brand value is a, is a game changer, is a life changer. To have it taken away from you, I don't blame her for what she tweeted and what she posted. You know, stop treating this as like it's a circus. It is a circus. You know, you're... It's, it's, I get... Partially, I get that it's a business. I partially get that it's a business in this situation, but it's not cool to, to offer something to somebody uh, that's life-changing and then pull it away. Should have never offered it in the first place. That's just my opinion. But she, she missed weight in the first title fight, Joe. We, we got we to gotta mention that because she had the opportunity, okay? She threw it away. So some people don't even get a second title shot. Just playing devil's advocate here. You made a, you made a good point. I'm just, uh, just pointing that out. Yeah, I get it. It's, I feel bad for her, though, man. It's just life-changing. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, she's a mom. Yeah, I get it. Sergio Pettis moving back to Bantamweight will fight Rob Font at UFC on Fox 31 in Milwaukee. Joe, what do you think of this move? Ah, Sean, I don't like it, man. I like him at 125. I didn't like his fight IQ in his last fight. Something was off there. Something was just, I mean, you saw the non-panic button that should have been pressed nonstop on that fight. James, you saw it. That was the issue. I don't think weight was the issue. Now, if you're telling me weight was the issue, cutting weight, that extra 10 pounds, was the reason why he wasn't able to make the decision to go into panic mode when Formiga's on his back for the whole round, okay, go to 135. I get it. But you still have a shot at 125. You made one mistake. It's not going to be a situation where um, you know, you're not going to be able to fight for that title anytime soon. You're still young. Um, do I like it because, yeah, you don't have to cut another 10 pounds to, to fight? Yeah, sure, why not? But I think 125 could be a division for him, but, you know, it is what it is, boys. James, he's lost two of his last three at flyweight. He was the kind of guy that they seemed like they really wanted to get to a title fight, but uh, when you lose two of three, one of those is to Cejudo, another is to Formiga, another guy who's in that same boat. They would love to have had him in the title title fight area. However, for the first time ever at flyweight, there's a log jam. There is... What's Cejudo doing? Will he fight Dillashaw? What about Mighty Mouse? So that title shot wasn't coming anytime soon, especially with him getting beaten by Formiga. What do you think of this move? I think it's the right move. Um, you know, I, I know he had like I, I know his weight cut issues aren't the reason he's losing fights, but he does cut a lot of weight. If you ever see him on Media Day, I've seen him twice now in the last I think year. He's looked sucked in, just like his brother. They, they cut a lot of weight. Um, so, you know, we'll see. He might perform better not having to cut that extra weight. And I think as far as him fighting Rob Font, this is a perfect fight. Rob has some good wins. He got the win over Almeida. He's had some disappointing losses. Pedro Munoz, he lost to Asuncao. You know, he can't get to that title shot. So now you need to, you know, reassess things. And we'll see where he's reassessed. And I think for Pettis, fighting a guy like Rob Font is the perfect test to find out where he fits in the bantamweight division. He was good at flyweight. How good is he going to be at bantamweight? We'll see. And like you mentioned, the logjam is Cejudo fighting Dillashaw next. Is Demetrius Johnson going to get a rematch? Either way, the chances of him fighting for a title are probably much further away than, than at bantamweight. Although saying that, I guess the Cejudo thing also puts a logjam at bantamweight too. But I, I just think he, he might look like a different fighter at bantamweight, not having to cut that weight. We don't know. Um, you know, some fighters, Robert Whitaker, good example, have looked better when they've moved up a weight class. So the same might be true for Pettis. Some interesting stats here. 13 fights at flyweight. He has one finish. Uh, he has five finishes at bantamweight. He also has no finishes in the UFC, period. None, which is kind of interesting. He has been a flyweight full-time since 2015. And the thing is, when he moved down, he had won his last two fights at Bantamweight. And uh, that I think he, he will be an interesting name to throw in at Bantamweight. 
I think the way that it was looked at before was flyweight's kind of shallow. Pettis has a big name. He could probably get a title shot there easily. I'm surprised that he didn't get a title shot there sooner. I thought for sure after he beat Brandon Moreno that he would get one, but that didn't end up happening. And I think the UFC maybe maybe regrets that a little bit, not putting him in a title fight when they could have had it. But it seems like a perpetual well, he's not ready yet, well, he's not ready yet type of thing. But the guy is, he just turned 25 a couple months ago. He's got a lot of growing to do, a lot of learning to do. And uh, he's probably going to grow a little bit more into that Bantamweight frame as well. Last week, Habib Nurmagomedov said that he has been contacted by WWE, asked if people wanted to see him there. Uh, I have been told that there, there have been feelers, but there was no formal offer for Habib in WWE. James, you speak to a lot of fighters on a weekly basis and kind of ask them about their pro wrestling connections. What do you think of this? I think it's smart on the WWE's part. Habib's stock's never been higher beating uh, Conor McGregor, but as far as how would he translate to wrestling, I think that's a question for you. I wouldn't really know. Um, you know, he's he seems to be a pretty decent interview in MMA. People like the, you know, number one bullshit sort of shtick he's got going on there. Uh, but uh, but other than that, I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. Um, I, I think right now he's focused on, M- on MMA. Um, I think the UFC's got to make peace with him at this point because, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of issues, I, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but, you know, he's threatening to leave the UFC now if his teammate isn't, uh, you know, uh, uh, if his teammate is kept on the roster. Um, of course, I'm talking about that featherweight fighter who's supposed to fight uh, uh, Lobov. Yes. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot at stake here. But as far as uh, WWE having interest, I don't blame them. Uh, you know, take advantage of any UFC fighter that, that has any sort of notoriety. And uh, Habib certainly did that after beating Connor. Joe, your thoughts? I got a couple thoughts. One, what James said. Two, mm-hmm. Uh, I know a guy that knows a lot about the professional wrestling world. He happens to be the other person I'm not talking about right now. So I think you're the one to answer that, Sean. For me, uh, with my limited knowledge, um, not limited knowledge, my my knowledge in terms of being a WWE superstar, right? Like, I don't see Habib, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, even in the chat, by the way, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't see Habib um, becoming that big of a star in the WWE just because, A, for, for the sake of the microphone, you need that to be a superstar, uh, in my opinion. In the w- I could be wrong, but I think you need that. And all things considered, uh, I think there needs to be a situation at, at the UFC in the boardroom, guys, where, okay, let's all sit down here, uh, maybe not all together, but let's all put together a strategy and action plan to see how we can keep this guy because this guy is a guy that we now need to sell pay-per-views. We've had an issue with pay-per-view draws, pay-per-view buys, pay-per-view numbers slipping. We now have a guy that in essence almost came out of nowhere to combat the Conor McGregor's, to give us that other George St. Pierre, to give us that other John Jones. The more pay-per-view stars you have on your roster, the better for your business. Habib Nurmagomedov uh, was already selling a lot of pay-per-views uh, and I got that firsthand from um, some from my contacts within the UFC. He was selling a lot of pay-per-views. It's much bigger now. So you need to sit down and figure out how do we make peace with this guy? How do we figure this out? We already know that what, what Nevada and the commission is going to do there is one thing. What we can do for our guy is this. Uh, and if it means not suspending, not cutting uh, his teammates, let's let's have that discussion Get him to understand what he did was wrong. What they did was wrong. We know Connor threw the first punch. We get that. Let's let's figure this out and keep everybody together under the UFC banner because he's got options. And this is a guy that's very proud. That's more than happy to say, "Screw you, UFC. Keep your money. I'm going somewhere else. I'll break my contract. See ya." Right. So you may want to make peace with this guy. I would be very surprised if WWE made a deal. He is not. I mean. You look back, and after Buster Douglas knocked out Mike Tyson, he he filled in and did a referee spot for him. And you look back and you go, why? Just why? <laughs> now, Habib Nurmagomedov is not Buster Douglas. He is not. But he is also not the type of guy that... Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for three forty nine dollars a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. A lot of people are going to tune in to see on a WWE program. They have somebody named Ronda Rousey who people do 
tune in to see. So they, they don't need Habib Nurmagomedov, and I'd be very shocked if it happened. Last thing before we get to, well, actually not the last thing, but before we get to Bellator, but John Jones, it's, it's uh, pretty much official. He's back competing at UFC 232 against Alexander Gustafson, a rematch five years in the making for the light heavyweight championship. James, are you surprised that they're putting a title on the line? I'm not. No. Nope. But something bad could happen here. I would I would have a backup in place. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, they have to do a title, right? Because that's the rule. If they do a pay-per-view, it has to be for a title. Wish they'd get rid of that rule. Um, well, you know, they, they have one. They have, they have Cyborg and Nunes. Oh yeah, they, oh, yeah, that's right. They do have the fight on there. I completely forgot about that. Um, but no, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's one of those things sure. where they, they, they have to have a title. Otherwise, it, you know, they, they can't do it, which is so silly. I, John Jones could, you know, fight for nothing. He could fight anyone. It doesn't matter. John Jones versus Broomstick is going to sell pay-per-views. That's just the reality of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was the fight to make. Uh, there's history there. Um, you know, Joe and I were both live at that event. I mean, that was that was one of the best fights of all time. Um, you know, Cormier, let Cormier fight Lewis, let Cormier fight Lesnar, and then you figure out what you're going to do with Jones after that. But that this is the fight to make. Gustafson, no one really, I think, cares too much about him at this point because he's had so many layoffs. He's had so many injuries. He's lost opportunities as well, like when he lost to Cormier. Um, this, this is the fight to make. And I think that, uh, yeah, put, putting this at the end of the year is probably the smartest move they can do. And as far as it being for a title, I think it just adds more, I guess, for the UFC to kind of have more chips to play with. If Jones is your interim champ, then, uh, or I guess official champ, because they're stripping Cormier. Um, yeah, it just adds a little bit more to everything. But this is the fight to make for sure for Jones's return. Joe, it's really hard to say, well, who's going to win this fight? Because Gustafson never fights. And, or it seems like he never fights. And Jones always has year-long breaks. Here's the funny thing. Despite all the wrecks and the failed drug tests, Jones will have actually fought in 2014, 15, 16, 17, and 18. There won't be like a full year that he has off, which is nothing short of miraculous in my estimation, Joe. Yeah, considering everything that he's gone through. And and I just want to, on a side note, you tell me, Sean, if if we're if James Lynch is inching and inching closer, closer to losing his marbles on the podcast, he's starting <laughs> to get out there, he's starting to get that emotion. Uh, not us Canadian, James and I being Canadian, we like to hold it in, but every so often there is a snap fest. Um, I don't. James is right with this Alexander Gustafson people not overly caring too much thing. I buy that because despite. Me being a massive fan of Alexander Gustafson and people, I think he's so underrated, or it's not really underrated, underappreciated in terms of the skills that he continues to bring. Um, it's the layoffs are, are are destroying his brand, and I don't know what kind of brand at this point. What a year and a half at this point? Yeah, like I don't know. I mean, the three of us aren't in Sweden. We don't see what kind of star status he has over there. Uh, that could be another uh, factor right there, but. It's going to be a good fight. It's going to be a fantastic fight. We do want to see John Jones. Everybody wants to see John Jones. No matter how much you hate him, you hate him, you want to see him lose. You love him. You want to see this this Matrix-like fighter who's such a massive man be able to do what he does uh, in the cage. So it's a fun fight. It's going to be good. It's, it is for the title. Uh, I think it's good if we see a chance. I mean, what if Alexander pulls this off? Like, I mean, it'll be absolutely crazy. We know Sean Ross Sapp's going to lose his marbles because he's not going to defend the title for two years. Um, it, it is one of those things that, Initially, guys, when I got wind that John was coming back, it's going to be Gustafson. I was like, I don't want to see this again. But now, the more that I think about it, yeah, you know what? This is going to be a fun fight. It's going to be two high-skilled 205-pounders and a lot on the line. And we all know what John Jones is going to do if he emerges victorious and he gets on that microphone. There's going to be some people with a bullseye on them, Brock Lesnar, DC, blah, 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 blah. So it should be fun for sure. In the three years before the Jones fight, the three-year period that led up to it, essentially, Gustafson fought eight times. Uh, after the Jones fight happened, it's been five years, he's fought five times. He took off uh, a full year after uh, the Manuel fight, essentially. Didn't come back for, I think, ten months. He missed about nine, ten months after that, then took a full year then took a year and a half here as well. The guy just can't stay in the cage. And I'm okay with him being in a title fight because of the the nature of the last fight and how close it was and how awesome that fight was. But let's be honest, it's not a secret. John Jones didn't train for that fight. 
John Jones got off the couch and fought that fight and didn't take it seriously. You've had countless members of his his team say as much. I don't I can't say for certain if that will be the case this time because I don't know where John Jones's level of motivation is on any given day, any given month, any given year. It's it's really really hard to tell. But uh Gustafson versus Jones is a legit top of the line fight to to book from an in-cage perspective. So I'm excited to see it. Okay, now, before you go before you go on, Sean James, um nothing at this point, I'm sure nothing uh, surprises us with John Jones anymore, um, based on on the craziness uh, of Sean. What Sean, you know, listed off on that out of octagon resume. Are we going to be surprised if something happens for this fight not to take place? Not at all. Well, especially not since you jinxed it, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's true, though, James. I mean, yeah. even the last time, it was like, no, no, he's learned his lesson. No, no, everything's going to be fine. No, 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 everything is going to be good. Fights, competes. What the heck, Usada? What's going on here now? Right? You see where I'm going with that? It's yeah. you know, again, I'm always accused of always giving benefit of the doubt to fighters. I'm going to give John the benefit of the doubt, but at this point, it's like ah, whatever, man. Okay. What do you What do you do as a replacement if one of them fall out? Do you just reschedule it because like you, do you hope for a quick Ozdemir win? There's nobody on that level, and this total UFC thing to do would be like Romero, but. <laughs> What do you think, James? Yeah, or uh, if there if there's a quick win, I think it's um, in, in the middleweight fight between Weidman and Rockhold. I think both of those guys, if they can have an opportunity at fighting at the title, it might be better than than going for middleweight at this point with Robert Whitaker TBA uh, in terms of when he's going to defend his title. So um, yeah, I, I think there's some options, and, and don't count on Anthony Smith either in that Volcan fight. I, I'm, I'm interested in that one. Uh, this could I, be yeah. Well, I know because you just mentioned Vulcan first, but yeah. I, I get it. Vulcan will be favored, and I think he is right now, and he probably will win the fight. But I think that's an interesting matchup. And uh, I'm trying to think other light heavyweights. I mean, I think that's it. Like Misha Serkinov's not going to get it. He's lost two in a row if he beats Cummins. I mean, there's lots of a lot. Blockwitz, yeah, man. Yeah, we have sure. yeah, that's right. Yeah, we all pronounce his name three different ways, which I'm incredibly <laughs> proud of. I think I say Blackovich. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, if I were Rockhold and Weidman, I'd be like, let's just do this at two oh five. He asked. He asked for uh, so Rockhold when uh, when I was at two twenty nine, uh, we asked Rockhold about that. He asked Weidman for the fight at two oh five, and Weidman declined. Um, so, uh, which makes sense because Weidman probably, if he gets the win here, will fight for the title next. Now that could be Good in twenty twenty twenty, but uh, you know, nonetheless, uh, it's better for him for that. But Rockhold. Uh, you know, he's a big guy. He, I don't think he, I think this will be his last fight at middleweight, regardless of the result. I, I think he's going to go to 205 after this. Well, he has to. DC is going to be, um, is heavily yeah, deficient. That's true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No UFC show this weekend, no Bellator show this weekend. But after that, October 27, we have UFC Moncton. The week after, UFC 230. The week after, UFC Denver. The week after, UFC Argentina, the week after UFC Beijing, the week after UFC uh, is has a double dose, Australia and Tough, the week after UFC 231, the week after UFC on Fox. We get the Christmas week break, and then it's right back to UFC 232. So while uh, once next week happens, when that, once next week is through, there's, a, there's one break, but they average one show a week over this period. We've got a hard-hitting main event such as Magni versus Ponzinibbio. And really, that's, that's, I think that's probably the worst. Edgar, Korean zombie, probably not going to set anybody on fire from, from a draw perspective. But, you know, just a, a fine main event there. You've got just an absolute shit show being prepared for UFC China outside of Blades and Nganu. James... Is it too much? Do you expect them to scale any back once the UFC deal starts? What What do you think? I think there was rumblings that they might cut back one of the pay-per-views. But, I mean, I've said this for years. They do too many events. Uh, you're, you're saturating the product. You're getting guys who get injured, and then they're signing short-notice guys that aren't UFC ready. I mean, how many guys over the last two years have the UFC brought in on short notice, and they go 0-2 in the UFC, and they're cut? And they're young guys that probably shouldn't have been in the UFC to begin with. This model, I don't think, works. Um, you know, and, and it's tough to keep up. I mean, there's so much going on, uh, you know, and I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that for the average person, uh, if you were to legitimately buy everything, I mean, you're, you're going to be spending, you know, a ton of money, uh, you know, as far as trying to be a combat sports sports fan. So I, I think that, uh, yeah, they're suffering because they've stacked certain cards. Now the Toronto card, 
I'm really happy with it. I'm actually surprised mm-hmm. that they put some of the matchups on there. And as someone who will be covering that event live, um, you know, I'm stoked. But, you know, you see other cards like China, uh, you know, like uh, like UFC Argentina, where you're just like, eh. I mean, they're, they're, you're going to have cards like that when you do so many events. If they were smart, they'd, you know, make a couple good events and space it out a little bit more and give people that anticipation. I think that's what's been missing from a lot of events. But that's a podcast for another day. But, yes, to answer your question, uh, yeah, it's not surprising to see this. As things stand, before the ESPN Plus deal kicks in, if you buy Fight Pass every month and every single pay-per-view with taxes in U.S. dollars, you're spending just under 1000 bucks a year. Uh, Joe, there 13 pay-per-views a year. I could see them scaling that back to 12, especially with the money they're getting. They will essentially be a loss leader for ESPN+. Plus. Uh, how do you see this schedule working out moving forward? I was chipping away uh, at some of the people uh, high up in the UFC to have this conversation and to give me some more information regarding what the potential is uh, once the ESPN deal starts in terms of are you going to be holding an event every damn week again or are you going to go and have a conversation and go read my article that I wrote for Fightful a while ago and then the same one I wrote for Sportsnet a while ago on the same theme where, in my opinion, you need to scale back what you're doing because anticipation is huge in the fight game. Uh, It's not, I mean, you you don't, there's nothing to anticipate when you're an NHL fan or NFL, well, NFL, yeah, you have to wait till Saturday or Sunday, excuse me, for the most part, for your team to play. That anticipation is huge. There's a draw. You want to see it. UFC, in my opinion, needs to have two events a month. One is a a precursor to what we're going to see on a pay-per-view or building stars to be on pay-per-view. The other show is a pay-per-view. You have an ESPN show, pay-per-view. ESPN show, pay-per-view. And then once a year, a special pay-per-view. Maybe it's the year-ender. You have two two pay-per-views in December. 25th anniversary show would be a good example. (laughs) Yeah. Sort of an anniversary show, uh, a big finale. uh, Every Tuesday you have an event as opposed to every – listen – when there's three guys doing a podcast on a Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, and we're looking at some of the fighters on the UFC roster and thinking, what, did I, have I seen that guy fight somewhere? Oh, he's got three fights in the UFC. Huh? What? How is the mainstream fan who they really want supposed to know all this stuff here? You cut that roster down. You have two events a month. One is a showcase event. One is a pay-per-view event. You watch how the fans will start coming. It's very, very simple, but... I don't know why. I get you got to have build content. You got to have content for your broadcasters. I get that, but it's diluting your product to the point where you look at some of these fighters on the roster, and I don't even think they'd make a Titan show, James. Like that—that's the important part for the UFC. They've essentially got three shows in one. They've got a pay per view. They've got a card that airs on Fox, and they've got their Fight Pass card. And they're getting content across all three of them. They're they're getting subscriptions here and there for Fight Pass. They're keeping Fox happy and fulfilling that content obligation. Then on their pay-per-view shows, they are making pay-per-view money. So it's content, 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 regardless of the quality. And when that happens, you get watered down a little bit. We see it in professional wrestling. We see it in MMA. Uh, We saw two shows from Bellator last weekend. Uh, or Bellator 207 and 208, which set up the finals, which I can't believe are already here, for the heavyweight Grand Prix tournament. It's going to be Ryan Bader against Fedor. First off, let's talk about Ryan Bader because, man, he was the favorite coming in. Still the favorite in my estimation, but him being able to seatbelt a man the size of Matt Mitrione and on his way to dominating him, James, I thought was very impressive. Yeah, I, I thought Bader had a good performance here. I know some people were booing. They didn't like it. But that's what you have to do to contain a, a guy like Matt Mitrione, who we've seen knock out guys like Fedor and, and, and you know other uh, notable fighters as well. So to me, this was uh, yeah, this was a, a dominant performance. Honestly, I'm watching the fight, and all I'm thinking of is, damn, the UFC shouldn't have let this guy go because they could use a light heavyweight right about now in, in their uh, division with how thin that division is outside of some of the top contenders. But this is a great performance by Bader. He's just looking better and better in Bellator. I, you know, I thought he beat Mitrione, but I didn't think he would be this dominant and uh, just Overall, very impressed with his performance. Joe, a couple years ago on this show, we were talking about Ryan Bader and the possibility of him competing for the UFC lightweight or light heavyweight championship, and we weren't too convinced on it. And then he came in, he busted in on that Daniel Cormier presser, and we said, all right, let's do it. He can sell me on this. Two years later, Daniel Cormier is a champ champ in UFC, and Ryan Bader 
is about to become a two-division champ in Bellator. It broke my heart to see Daniel Cormier say, man, that would have been a good one. Good luck, Ryan, because I wanted it. I I wanted to see if Ryan Bader's skill set matched up against Daniel Cormier. We know they both have power. We know they both have wrestling. And I wanted to see how that goes. It's It's a bummer, but he is legitimately a top fighter in the world above 200 pounds. I mean, look look at and I put I said this on the post show last last weekend. I put more stock in his win over Linton Vassell at light heavyweight than I do his heavyweight win over King Mo as far as his heavyweight future goes because Linton Vassell is a massive light heavyweight and is moving up to heavyweight anyway. But him beating Matt Mitrione, Joe, that's a legit heavyweight victory for better or for worse. That's a, it's a competent heavyweight that he just put down. 30-25, 30-25, against Matt Mitrione. 4-0 in the UFC before this fight was, or, or in Bellator before this fight was Mitrione. All right. I mean, there's something there with Ryan Bader, kids. If you're not convinced, there's no, it's, it's forget about it, right? Uh, you can say what you want about Matt Mitrione. Matt Mitrione's a bad dude. If he hits you, you're going down. So uh, great job. That's what you call an MMA IQ fighter right there. In that fight there, I'm not going to sit there and stand and trade with Matt Mitrione. I'm going to convince him that we're standing and trading. And the minute he overextends, whoop, you're going up in the air and you're going down, son. Uh, Ryan Bader did a fantastic job on that fight. I'm very, very happy for him. One of the good guys, if you ever had a chance to to actually sit down and have an interview with him. Uh, Very down to earth, just very humble, uh, but a badass man. And now you got to take on Fedor. So good luck with that, son, because you better make sure that jaw is covered because Fader will throw at will. And as we've seen with Fedor, he can be taken down at ease at times. He can also flip you in the air when you take him down. So uh, you better be cognizant of that. You don't want Fader in your guard, uh, in my opinion. If you, you better be able to scramble up, Ryan Bader. But this guy, like you said, has the potential to become a champ champ versus a guy who is a champ champ, and he should have fought way back when because when he crashed that press conference, I don't recall, Sean, if he was hammered. If he's been drinking a little bit. I don't think so. I think he might have been in that sauce, James. You tell me. But it was awesome. And we were sold. This is what we need. This is We were talking about at the time. It was a, one of the big themes in a lot of our Holy Smokes podcasts about being able uh, to make some noise. Make some noise. And he was making noise only to go to Bellator. So uh, good on Ryan Bader. Wish him the very best. Be great um, if he becomes a champ champ. But crazy if Fader Million Ankle can win that one as well. So. Speaking of fight IQ, Sergey Haritanov did exactly what everybody who beats Roy Nelson does. He jabbed the piss out of him, and then when Roy Nelson got worried about the jab, he opened up and he just dominated, just dominated. When I look at guys like him, and we'll talk about Chet Congo, who had an outstanding performance as well, uh, they should have probably been in this tournament. I know Haritanov's been in and out of Bellator, but... You've got two guys, Sergey Haritanov and then Chet Congo, who was, quite frankly, on one of the best runs of his career. Uh, Chet Congo didn't get put in this tournament, and all of a sudden is finishing people. What does this say to you, James? This is a healthy Bellator heavyweight division right now. Yeah, and it's good to have options, right? Because as we've seen in many tournaments, tournaments not just in Bellator, but uh, you know, all, all over, uh, you know, the Strike Force tournament, uh, you could go back, you know, that far. Uh, we see injuries, and you want to have someone ready in in the wings, waiting to go. And I think these are two great choices. I don't know who you'd pick, to be honest. If you had to pick one, uh, they they both uh, got you know really uh, both underdogs actually, I believe, in their fights. So uh, yeah, a very very impressive performance by by both guys, but. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know much more to say other than I just think that, uh, you know, it's, it's good to see Bellator having lots of options at heavyweight, which is something that the UFC is struggling with these days. Well, uh, I'm sure you'll have plenty to say about this. The, the prospect watch in Bellator goes a few different ways. We have Tokov beat Shlomenko. Nothing much to say about that fight. But then we got Sinead Kavanaugh got beat and Baby Slice. What and and I've spoken highly of Baby Slice's personality and honestly his skills as as an amateur I thought were were pretty pretty good I was impressed by that I was not impressed with what I saw on Friday night out of Baby Slice James. No, uh, it's one of those things that's going to happen sometimes. You have fighters that just don't pan out the way you thought, and uh, Baby Slice dropping to three and two. Props to Corey Browning for uh, for getting it done. I didn't know anything about this guy, and now we all know who he was uh, on uh, on Friday night. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- this is one of those things. I think that uh, you know Bellator is doing their best. I mean, Browning came into this fight as a three and two fighter. 
you know, baby slice should beat a guy like this, especially at the camp he's at at the body shop training with guys like AJ McKee. Um, it's not going that way. It seems like his father, unfortunately, his cardio doesn't seem to be the best. That's something he's got to work on. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, I think, uh, you know, I, I won't say he's, you know, people already like, oh, this guy's a bust, all this stuff. I mean, he's still relatively young, right? Like he's, uh, how old is he? Uh, he's 20, he's 26. So, you know what, if he can make the right adjustments, he can go back and look at this fight and make some improvements. He'll be back, but I don't think it's the end of the world, but certainly didn't help, uh, especially with him being on the main card of this, uh, this event. It was a rough performance. Uh, Joe, your thoughts on everything from the heavyweights to these, these prospects here. Uh, well, I think James is bang on. You can't sit there and criticize Kevin Ferguson jr. Other than what happened to your cardio son. This is a 15-minute sport. You can't be a 10-minute fighter in a 15-minute sport. And you weren't even a 10-minute fighter. You were a 7-minute fighter. Can't do it. So that's where the adjustment has to happen. You can't tell me, even with this guy being exhausted in the second round, his transitions, his ground game looked damn good while he was exhausted as he was having bursts in those scrambles. So um, at that cardio. weight division, that's particularly dangerous to have right? that type of cardio. Yeah, the- man. you got to be a machine at 155 pounds. So James is bang on. He's got the right training camp. Got to get that cardio going. You got to punish yourself. You got to be ready to go 25 minutes. You go, you're good for 25, you'll fight for 15. So other than that, uh, sorry, Sean, we're just talking about UFC 207, not, or sorry, Bellator uh, 207, not 208, right? In terms we're talking of about the, the weekend as a whole. Okay, well, listen, man. Karnatov did a great job, minus that knee to the head. That's another story altogether. Uh, but yeah, looked good. I mean, even Pascu, he was coming up on, on Lorenz Larkin in that third round. Um, he was doing pretty good. So I'm, I'm happy with what they did here. Uh, Natal emerging victorious in the second round. So yeah, you know, it's, it's, Bellator's got good fighters, man. There's quality there. It's just that, you know, they're the number two and, you know, something's got to happen for them to get more awareness. So good, a lot of good fights in these cards. I joke a lot about the Pitbull brothers, but if you get tired in seven minutes and you happen to be thrown in there with a Pitbull brother, that's a good way to uh, not – that's a good way to end your career, honestly. That, that can be very dangerous. Lorenz Larkin won his alternate bout. Nothing. He didn't make the type of performance that I think that he needed to in that situation, but uh, he wasn't impressing anybody, that's for sure. Uh, elsewhere on this show, Ben Henderson did impress, quite frankly, with the level of competition that he faced in Syed Awad and the way that he won. I thought this was one of his most impressive performances in years. I was not impressed, however, by the number of fouls he committed <laughs> during this fight, holding the glove, holding the cage. Quite frankly, I think he may have thrown a 12 to 6 elbow while he was in there, too, that wasn't called. James, the, the look on Ben Henderson's face when he was called out for cheating was hilarious. Yeah, um, th- that's that's the unfortunate part is that we're talking about this instead of, uh, you know, a good performance from him on a guy who was coming into this fight uh, in, inside a wad on, you know, I think it was a four fight win streak. Yes. Um, yeah, that, that's something that, you know, hopefully he can erase and, and you know, bring into his next fight and, and look to avoid. I don't know what the reality is. You know, it's funny. One of his teammates uh, who a lot of you guys both won't know, James Nakashima, he's the LFA uh, uh, welterweight champion. He's been accused of that a bunch of times. So I'm, ho- I'm hoping this isn't something that's happening at the lab. But, uh, you know, it's, it's been noted uh, for a couple of their fighters. So it's just unfortunate to see. I don't know if he's doing it intentionally, but it, it doesn't look good that two fighters from the lab now have been sort of accused of that in, in a couple of fights. First, Joe, of, all, first of all, I don't know what fight you guys are watching. Benson Henderson did not cheat one bit. All right, get that straight. Okay, maybe just a little. Maybe just a little. <laughs> and if you're saying this is something that potentially could be happening at the lab, I will say this: do not, under any circumstances, put that past anybody at the lab. TriStar, Jackson Winklejohn, blah blah blah. There are going to be times if you can get away with it for that moment. Don't be surprised if they're going to do it. Don't ever be surprised if they're going to do it. I'm not saying that John Crouch is teaching his guys to do that, but little small things. I mean, I used to have this conversation with David Loazzo when he would throw the elbows or he was caught in a clinch. Uh, I know fighters, guys, that, you know, if you ever notice that they're always clean cut, but on fight night, they've got the the the, uh, the Sean Ross Sapp sort of look almost, not, not fully beard going, but oh, yeah. even yours, James, like the little scruff there, little small, you know, the tape on the gloves, boys, right? You got a little cut on your opponent's head, and you're trying to scramble for position. Oh, that tape just hit that cut. 
Oh, yeah. open it up a bit. Oh, you're trapped against the cage after elbowing him? That little beard's going to rub against that little face of yours there, son, and split that cut open. Little small things to change the outcome of a fight will always happen in MMA. I'm actually glad both of you two caught some of this stuff because it happens. And as a referee, you've got to pay attention to that. Big John, Frank Trigg and I talk about it at Ryzen all the time. Look for this. Look for that guy doing that. Blah, blah. Referee's on the other side. Grab the shorts. Grab the gloves. Happens all the time. It's not supposed to happen, but it does. Done. Let's talk about the main event. Fedor Emelianenko defeated Chael Sonnen. He moves on to the finals of this tournament and will fight Ryan Bader. Now, Fedor cracked Sonnen early on. Sonnen hung in there, was able to land a surprisingly low, low single leg takedown. I'm talking like shoulder underneath the knee, hand behind the, the heel. Like you don't see that much in MMA period, much less against Fedor. Fedor had some really great scrambles, but unfortunately for Sonnen, he tried to roll into a rear naked choke position and ended up basically costing himself the fight. Let's go ahead and address the elephant in the room. There were people, real people, in my life who contacted me. And James, I see you shaking your head. Was the fight fixed? And quite frankly, I said, well, Sonnen went the extra mile if that were the case. Because he could have just stayed down after that first shot. I think this is completely asinine. I'm embarrassed that people still believe that this that this fight I'm embarrassed almost any time I see this because it's clear to me when there's when when a fix is in and and they're trying real hard. This I, I don't even know how to set this up, James. Yeah, I mean, there, it's just for some reason this keeps happening to Bellator and with Chell Sonnen, and I think what we need to look at more. And and I know Joe's going to disagree with me here, but I mean, Chell Sonnen in, in big fights sometimes just has these lapses. I mean, how many times is, in the UFC was he submitted just over a simple mistake? Um, it happens. I think people need to look at that more than claiming it's a fix. I mean, what benefit would Sonnen have anyways if he was going to fix the fight? I don't know. It's, to me, it's, it's ridiculous um, that people are even going this route. Uh, I wish they would give Bellator as a promotion more respect to know that they're not going to do something like that. And uh, it's just unfortunate we're even talking about this instead of the fact that Fedor – you know, he had a bit of a rough, rough stretch when he, he got out of retirement, didn't look so good. But now, you know, he, he got another impressive win, and we should be talking about that instead of this fixing garbage. But he says that front flip was strained from Chael. It's a standard technique. You roll, you try to get uh, get into get your hooks into somebody. It's not high percentage when you're facing someone with that size discrepancy, but it That's is a technique. Yeah. That's a legit technique. That's the whole point, right? You, you're only going to do – I mean – I. I would do that on on, um, on guys that I was sparring. They were much smaller than me. Yes. It's just easier to flip them over. Would I dare try it on someone bigger than me or even my size? Nah, man. Way too much of a risk. Uh, in terms of the fight being fixed, no. End of conversation. Have I ever seen, have I ever spoken to fighters, uh, not Chael in general, but just have I ever spoken to fighters in, in, who say, listen, man, if I'm in this much trouble here, rear naked choke, tap me out. Done. That's happened. It's happened in MMA. It's happened in the UFC. It's happened across other shows. Uh, I don't think Sonnen threw the fight uh, only because, like what Sean said, he had every opportunity to throw the fight if he wanted to uh, and quit. And he didn't quit until he got rocked. So uh, I don't buy the fight-fixing uh, allegations. Just stop. Get over it. Get over it. Stop. Joe, Fedor is facing Bader in January. I got Bader winning this, but with Fedor's power, you just never quite know. Also, he showed some nice scrambles on the ground. But if Chael Sonnen, a normal-sized middleweight, competing at heavyweight, nowhere near his prime, can take Fedor down, I get the feeling that a very large, light heavyweight in his prime, in Ryan Bader, can as well. There's so many beautiful dynamics in this fight, guys. I mean... If the fight IQ of Ryan Bader continues to increase, we're in for a beautiful show when these two guys finally tangle. Because as you also mentioned, Fedor's got that power. He's got that will to win. He's got that drive. Anything can happen in this fight. I, I, it, it is going to be, uh, I'll, I'll be smiling ear to ear because it's very difficult to predict who's going to win this scrap here. You want to probably go with the younger guy. Man, Fader can can change the, the the dynamics of a fight very very quickly with that power. And if one little wrong scramble, flip in the air, uh, he ends up in in Ryan Bader's guard. And if he can't, if Bader can't get up, depending on the position of where they are in the cage, if they're against the cage in the center of the ring you, or center of the cage, you just never know what can happen. I think it's a beautiful fight, to be honest with you, James. 
Yeah, I like Bader here as well. Uh, you have to go all the way back to January 2016. The last time Bader was knocked out, that was Anthony Johnson. And I think if Bader, uh, you know, I think Bader can do what he did to Mitrion, which is just, you know, uh, get it, get a hold of him, make sure he can't, uh, make sure Fader can't get those bombs off. And, and I think he'll be fine and, and just wear Fader out because, you know, Bader's got great cardio as well, too. Um, I just don't see him getting knocked out. He's a smarter fighter now than he was, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. And I think we're seeing that in, in the dividends as far as his wins and everything. So, uh, yeah, I, I favor Bader in this fight. I wouldn't be surprised if. If, uh, he ends up getting this one out. If you guys want to see my full post show for this, it is on fightfulpods.com. It is on youtube.com slash fightful. If you're watching live, thumbs up, subscribe, hit that bell for notifications. And most importantly, let the people know that you like what you see. I also have additional content on fightfulselect.com, the If It Were a Work, If It Were a Shoot podcast films this week. New UFC rankings breakdown will be up this week. Also, Fightful alternate commentary. We have MVP's debut, John Jones's MMA debut up there as well. James, what do you got going on this week? Got a lot going on. Did a bunch of interviews yesterday. Got a bunch today. I got a pretty big interview tomorrow. Not going to reveal that one. Just follow me on Twitter at Lynch on Sports. You can find that out. And before I go, we didn't even talk about Mandel Nalo. That guy got a highlight reel event at Bellator 207. <laughs> yeah. Got to give some uh, some love to a fellow Canadian uh, at a TriStar. I big things ahead for him with uh, him defeating Car- Carrington Banks. So I'm going to end on that note. Joe, how about you? I, as, well, I've got some calls uh, that I'll be making uh, to the UFC uh, tomorrow. No, what's today? Tuesday, Thursday. Uh, so some could be some interesting information for the next podcast. We'll see uh, if they answer some of my uh, queries and questions. Other than that, James, indoor soccer season starts tonight. Coaching nice. my son. I got four new players on the team. As soon as I'm done this podcast, I am drafting up a new system because we are no longer five versus five it is seven versus seven showdown joe is ecstatic <laughs> indoor season is starting uh we go until april so uh look out for the strobel mustangs boys They're gonna kick some butt this year guys thank you all so much follow me at sean ross at joe at showdown joe james at lynch on sports and us at fightful online and fightful.com if you all wouldn't mind retweet our stories that stuff really really helps until next time guys we are out Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.